With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hi, everyone. Welcome back again to the Tennis.com podcast, the latest edition. Same two faces, Ed McGrogan, Steve Tigner. Uh, catching up in between uh, two, you know, a pretty a bridge period between two big events, Madrid and Rome. Both, you know, both tours at both events, uh, significant clay court tournaments and I, I guess you know when you look ahead to, to this week in Rome you just you would have to think that really after a, a week where it was really defined by I think you know significant upsets across the board that you'd think that Rome you know could only have could only restore a little more order because Madrid was really such a, a surprising event really from top from beginning to end yeah I think on the men's side you know you look that seems likely in, in that Novak Djokovic is back. Um, he didn't play Madrid, but he's playing Rome. So you, you sort of he's obviously the favorite right away. Um, to you know to as you said restore order on the men's side and the women's. You look for you know you look for Serena Williams now, who lost pretty badly to Petra Kvitova. Kind of opened things up for the moment. Now you look at what you know whether she can, whether she can kind of reassert herself. She. She last year she withdrew in Madrid and then won in Rome. Um, she didn't win the French Open, but you know, th- at least at this week in Rome, she was you know she won the tournament. So, so we'll see. But that's you know I think things are a little more open and, and interesting on both sides <clears throat> after last week. Yeah, and I mean you really it's it's uh, I don't know if it's a, it's a tough call or not, but you know between Murray's win over. Rafa in the final and Kvitova's win over Serena in the um, in the semis, um, both ending in straight sets. You know, both eventual champions. You know that I don't think you know too many people would have expected coming into this week. Certainly, Murray for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, th- those two weekend upsets were really just. And we didn't, you know, didn't even mention, you know, Sharapova losing, you know, since the last time we talked with Kyrgios, you know, over Federer in kind of a really one of the years going to be craziest matches in retrospect. Um, I guess what, you know, what really stuck out to you, you know, taking one last look back at Madrid amongst these really, you know, pretty sizable results? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the big things probably are the, you know, Murray and Kvitova obviously played well, but you have to. You, nobody expected the performance from Nadal in the final against Murray or Serena in the semis against Kvitova. Those were just. I mean, those were those were big surprises, and those are two things you you have to look at as really opening up. You know, really opening up the French Open even more. Nadal 
you know, you look at him now, he's down to number seven in the rankings, first time out of the top five in 10 years. He did have a, like he said, he did have a pretty good week, and I thought his win over Burdich in the semis was was one of the best matches he's played this year. But then, you know, you never expect him in the past or, or even now to, to follow that up with, with a total clunker. You know, he, he, he typically builds momentum, and once he gets it, then he has it for a while, and he's not going to really have any bad matches. But, you know, we'll see whether that's something that happens to him more in the future. But, but he just came out suddenly without any confidence, started out the match without any, then started out the second set without any again, which is really pretty strange for Rafa. You know, the one positive, I guess, is it was so bad that, like he said, you can, you might as well just not even dwell on it or consider it and just move on. There's not much to be learned from it. He just basically missed everything. Yeah, I mean, you know, some of those shots were just, you know, really just unsightly stuff from, you know, from a player who's shown over the past 10 years that, you know, he's really, I think, the hallmark of consistency in, you know, and certainly on clay, of course, too, which is why, you know, which is why I think it was so jarring to see. And it, and it wasn't even, and, and this is one thing I want to get into is really, you know, if we if we've given Murray enough credit, perhaps for for this win, or are we really kind of placing all of its, you know, all of the impetus for it on what Rafa couldn't do? Because, um, you know, many players, you know, they get up against a player that's a sizable favorite, they catch him on an off day, and what ends up happening most of the time is that the player that's on the off day still finds a way to win. And Rafa's been in that position before many times among, you know, his big four contemporaries there. But, you know, to Murray's credit on this is um, is he really kind of played pretty, you know, he played the way he needed to really from start to finish and never even allowed Rafa that that window to get back into this, to find his form. Yeah, I think you have to give Murray credit because it wasn't just one win. He beat Nishikori the match before. He beat Raonic the match before, who was hurt. But he beat Nishikori in what I thought was a surprise. I thought... You know, Nishikori had almost won this tournament last year. I would sort of looked for him to beat Murray in the semis. Murray really played well in that match, sort of really frustrated Nishikori and didn't let him do anything. So in a way, it was a, it was a consistent um, of, you know, high level of play for Murray. Just, he just wasn't just there to watch Rafa implode. You know, Murray didn't, he got better as the match went on. He, got, he hit bigger, but he stayed under control. He, he, you know, his returns were great. He went down the line more than... You, you might expect he was making those shots. But I would say one one thing that this was different was, you know, in the past, Murray's gotten ahead, and then it'll come a point where he'll he'll miss a big shot against Rafa, and then everything will turn around. You know, that happened at Wimbledon one year, and Rafa will really make him pay. But that happened again in Madrid when Murray had a swing volley to go up 3-0 in the second set. Completely easy shot into the open court, and he missed it. And he sort of thought there, well, now Rafa's going to make him pay. But then two points later, <clears throat> Rafa hit a forehand in the bottom of the net. You know, he didn't, he wasn't there to make Murray pay for that, for that moment. So there was, you know, there was a difference in, in Rafa's level than, than normal. But, but Murray's, you know, he's won eight straight matches or nine straight matches. He won two straight clay tournaments. Um, you know, he's, I think he's now in the second tier of contenders at the French after Djokovic way up top and then Rafa. And then you've got, Maybe Federer, Murray, Burdich, and and you know maybe Ferrer or somebody like that. But Murray's put himself in there. Yeah, and and yeah, you, know, you just mentioned you know Djokovic, 
you know, really the clear favorite at this point. You, you know, you wrote actually in your piece about, um, you know, where Rafa stands at this point is, you know, I've we I've read before in past years. You know, I think each probably the past three years that we've read someone say that Djokovic is the favorite at the French. But it wasn't until I sort of I read this piece and it just seemed a little more declarative, a little more assured than usual. And there and there's no reason you know not to to argue that. But you know, it really seems like um, you know that the, that the gap. You know, you know, where do you put the gap between these two right now? And 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 or along those lines, you know, does the best of five format at Roland Garros really just reset things? And this is really all a fool's errand that we're you know talking about this. Yeah, I think that's still a question. You know, you can't until Rafa is knocked out at the French. You can't you can't count him out. I think if you look at the form, Djokovic is clearly the guy. He's you know he I think he has a clear advantage over. Over everyone else, but if you look at history, you know, not Rafa is not not that much different than he was last year. He was getting blown out in the final in Madrid last year when Nishikori got hurt. So we he could have easily lost that match the same way he lost this match. And then last year he went to Rome and he lost to Djokovic, but then he still ended up beating Djokovic at the French Open. So there is that you know at this stage I think he's further behind Djokovic than he, than, than he was last year. But but you look at that and you think. The French Open is still a different story. You know, it's still somewhere where he's just lost once out of 67 matches. And Djokovic still has to overcome this thing that he has somehow that he, he can't beat Rafa there because he's, like you said, he's come in the last three years looking good and he hasn't beaten him there. But um, I think right now it would be it would be surprising to me if that, if he didn't do that this year. Yeah, and it's funny. I think we dance around that you know, that topic and, and we see that, you know, for an event like this week, like in Rome, you know, I, in some ways I feel like it's a, it's a big event for both Rafa and Djokovic, you know, Rafa coming off the loss, Djokovic coming off a, an idle week. In other ways, I feel like it's almost inconsequential because, you know, really, you know, what does it all boil down to in the end that these two are gunning for? And, you know, where are we really going to make our true assessments of, of them and their form? Um, you know, it, it, it's it's a event, and especially when you have these back-to-back, you know, tournaments of this level, there's always that concern about the second one and and where things kind of shape themselves, you know, based on how we, you know, how it all turns out here. So, you know, for Rome, Rome for me, I think is more interesting really on the women's side, and you know, a lot of that has to do with Kvitova's win over Serena, um, but there was a lot of really you know, st- strange results, um, for better or worse in Madrid, you know, it helped going out super early, you know, Victoria Azarenka getting three match points over Serena before double faulting it away. Kvitova, of course, winning the tournament, um, you know, Serena herself. You know, so, you know, what really, what, you know, do you agree with that, that? That really the women's event is kind of the the more intriguing of the pair. And who are you looking forward to this week? Well, I think the men's is um, just one last thing on the men's. It is interesting for Rafa's seating at the French. What he does here, it could go up or down. Um, he's jammed in with a bunch of people right now, and it, depending on what he does here. And I do think it's important for Djokovic after taking that week off not to not to lose a random match and and put this doubt 
you know, around him or in his head or in other players' heads about where he is. Right now, he seems pretty much invincible, but, you know, one loss changes that completely. But on the women's, you know, you start with, obviously you start with Serena, but then I think Kvitova is the big question mark. Um, she's won, the only other clay court tournament she's won in her career is Madrid, so you can't take make too much of that. But then when you watch the way she beat Serena and beat Kuznetsova in the final, it was just, you know, lights out tennis. And she's in better shape now. She seems to have, whatever her problem was this spring, seems to be past her. You know, you start to, I think you and I both thought she would have a good, really good year this year. You know, it hasn't happened yet, but you start to get that feeling again. Of course, you can never do that with her, but but the question is there again. I you know, I feel like she could win. She can win the French Open. You know, she's somebody who can do it. So, so I think yeah, that's and, a you know, the, start. You know, the event. You know, the the Kuznetsova won in the final. Really, that sort of recalled you know Bouchard at Wimbledon. It was that kind of. It was that one sided, and the, the you know the stage is obviously so different. Although in ways it was not because that's. Yet another event where Kvitova seems to have control and mastery over, uh, and then when you get onto other courts and other tournaments, you you wonder where you know where that's all gone. Yeah, and I think you start to look, you know, you, you know, I don't know what to make of Sharapova right now. There are some good things in Madrid, and then a bad match against Kuznetsova. Um, she's won this tournament, but she lost early last year, and she won the French. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if her result has that much meaning you look at Simona Halep she's sort of sort of dipped in in just when she just when we thought she was going to have a really good clay court season um French Open runner up last year she's had a little bit of a dip and she made the finals here a couple years ago so you sort of look for her to 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 sort of write things before before the French Open and also you you watch for Jeannie Bouchard French Open semifinalist last year nearly made the final and she's obviously been on a Huge slump has lost five or six straight matches. Um, unfortunately for her, she's in Kvitova's section of the draw, but I should probably just be happy to get to play her in the quarters. Exactly, yeah. You know, and, and one thing, thinking about both of these, you know, regardless ATP, WTA, I have to say after after a week of really, I think, night match overkill in Madrid where, you know, it, it's – it's the way it's the way things are in Madrid. It's Madrid time, as you as you put it, and you come to expect really these obscenely crazy night hour matches. Um, I think that's one thing I'm looking forward to in Rome this week. Is this tournament really delivers on that sort of, you know, just the impact, especially when when you see night matches over here. Um, you got a crowd that. You know, has you know, there's so much history at the event itself, and you know the crowd is more, certainly known to play favorites with who you know with who it sides with and who they really disapprove of. And um, we've had some really good matches and you know great matches in Rome on both tours over the past you know really ten years. And um, I think that you know both events for sure. I think that's what you're going to get out of it is. Uh, it's it's going to be a, another stacked draw for in both sides and um, and this tournament usually delivers too as well. Yeah, I think Rome, you know, has a good crowd. It has, you know, Madrid. They can be a little cold, I think, and at the French Open, you know, they can be they can pretty be pretty nasty. But the you know the, you get the feeling the crowd in Rome likes to have fun. Um, of course, they really support their own players. Um, they they love Federer and I think they like Djokovic quite a bit. Um, so yeah, this is this is kind of a nice 
run up to a you know the much more serious feeling that you get at the French Open. Yeah, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be a week to pay attention to, obviously, for a variety of reasons, variety of players. Um, still to be determined, I believe, at this time if Murray will be playing Rome or not. But uh, that's you know that's an interesting call for him as well. You know, coming off of really two weeks of you know flawless but busy tennis and you know night tennis too of course so um you know that's where we'll leave things here with rome and we'll pick it up next week um after we have two champions crowned so once again for steve tigner this is ed mcgrogan thank you for listening to the tennis.com podcast you've been enjoying the tennis.com podcast for all the latest news and events head over to tennis.com 